Do you even want to take a guess? Are you prepared to guess? 56. Wow. How did you know? I don't know. Okay. Well, you got it right. <laughs> so that's surprising. It is episode 56 of Super High Sci-Fi. We were gone uh, last week for, you know, the holiday, Father's Day. Um, turns out some shit happened. So... Nothing happened in the last two weeks. <laughs> Not, nothing of importance happened in the last two weeks, you're right. Nothing at all. I guess we ought to start with... Um, wow, that's a really terrible image that they've picked for this article. I have pulled up about the Star Trek fan film rules. Well, I was going to say turn your laptop so I could see this terrible <coughs> picture. Uh, I just, you know... Unfo- oh my, that is bad. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's a picture of uh, classic Chekhov. And I don't think they acknowledge that uh, Anton Yelchin's dead. Yeah, it may have been before that happened. Um, published Thursday, one fifteen p.m. So, I think that was like the day, wasn't it? No, I thought it was a uh, no, last Sunday. Yeah, it was before. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I was actually thinking like if this was something that happened like the middle of us, uh, if it were to happen when we were podcasting last week, I probably wouldn't like looked at my phone and like oh. Um, Checkoff bit it. New checkoff. Breaking news. <laughs> Fox News alert. Yeah. Actor Anton Yelchin dead. Anyway, he really is dead, though. Yes, I'm sure yeah. anyone who listens to this would have read that by now, but... Yeah, but man, yeah. killed by your own Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah, that's like the crazy thing. It's, I, I don't know. Kind of freaky how easy it is to die sometimes. Yeah, I almost bought one of those, so... Well, yeah, people are saying it was because, like, the shifter is kind of, like, fucking stupid. But it, yeah. yeah, it'll give you a false reading. If you think it's in park, it's actually well, in neutral. Yeah, basically, the shifter, just, like, yeah. you hold a button, and, like, you press up, like, two, three times, or press down multiple times. Like, it only has, like, three positions, like, neutral, up, and down, and, like, you just shift between the different park, reverse, one, yeah, it's two, like three, in the, drive, the whatever. Now it's just like you hold it and then just like click, click, and yeah, it's like all electronic. Yeah, you don't have any sort of like you know mechanical. Oh, it's in this position, and my hand knows it's there, type thing. His, I think his family should definitely sue the car manufacturer. That's just a bunch of crap. Well, yeah, there's been yeah. multiple accounts of you know possible mishandlings of or accidents caused possibly by this or something like that mishandlings were you chrysler's fucking lawyer here yeah exactly All this, this user error well he was negligent and he walked behind the vehicle i mean come on well those, yeah, who those, would do that on a hill those like... cars were subject of a recall but he never got a recall notice for his did he it was so something like thing. that they can can't they go after like the dealership that he bought it from too and I, I don't know how Chrysler's recall system works. Yeah, it wasn't like a required recall that like everyone had to bring their car in. It was like, oh, you want to bring your a, car in? Okay. It'll be a required recall now, probably. Yeah, probably. I, I would have to imagine that somebody pretty famous getting fucking whacked mob style by one of your cars. You mean sign style? <laughs> yeah. No, the happening. Well, no, no, this was like signs no. because the, he was pinned oh, between I mean, he, him he did get and. Oh, he smashed, but I, th- I thought you meant like. But unlike signs, die. he died very quickly. So that's the silver lining to the story. He only lived for like a minute after he got pinned. Oh, yeah, I didn't read that detail. I just think yeah. he got pinned between like his mailbox post and the car. And, and yeah. I doubt he was conscious that minute that he was actually still alive. So. 
Okay. Yep. <laughs> Always have your com badge with you tuned to the transporter room frequency. That's a tasteless Star Trek joke about how he <laughs> could have avoided death. You yeah. want to give me a rim shot for that one? or No. Okay. It's still not as bad as the guy in Star Trek 2009 who didn't open his parachute in time and got like sucked into the... the <laughs> what's the Narada's mining yeah, thing? Yeah, the, the big orbital laser yeah. thingy. Uh, okay, so I wanted to briefly touch on the creepy Boston Dynamics robot that I know you saw. Did you see this thing? Yeah, the thing yeah. with the giraffe neck. Yeah, that does like, I love that video. The creepy dance. No, I love all of Boston Dynamics videos because like it's all these like you know testing things like oh it's like can pick up boxes or oh it can navigate you know nimbly under desks and whatnot or like run outside and then they just have like in this video they had it just like slipping on a banana peel and like the other one they had like this one dude just like. Hitting it like a, with a baseball bat is like it falling down and getting up and then him hitting it again. <laughs> you like always feel sorry for these robots when like the shit like that happens in their videos. But they're, yeah, they're gonna dress this thing up as a dog, like put a dog costume over it, and it's gonna go into someone's house and release poison gas. I I'm fine if it releases like a little poison gas if it does my dishes. I'd be okay with that. Just a little. Just a little. Just a little sniff. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so every, I'm going to put this, all this in the, the description notes for the podcast, but it's a even more unsettling than their usual <clears throat> videos. I, I Honestly, I th- was telling you this before, but I think it's just because the neck thing is a little creepy and you can like see all the bare internals. If you just like slap some like white panels on it and like make it look like the robot from WALL-E, it'd be great. It, no one would be like, oh, yay, it's, you know, bossy, yay. With Boston Dynamics well, robot. Also, I don't the know. robot from Wally is, you know, cute, and he has like an endearing personality. Whereas these kind of seem very soulless when you watch the videos. Like that, they're actually gonna grab oh, your I felt, neck and break your neck. I felt sorry for it when it like you know fell down on the banana peel. I'm like, oh no, poor little doggy. <laughs> you're giving me this look, Clark. <laughs> I am. Okay. You're, you're the one who's going to get the poison gas. I'm going to be suspicious of these things. What I don't get is why uh, Google has elected to get rid of Boston Dynamics because I think they're trying to sell the company right now because they're dissatisfied with performance. I think its it's because they, they were fucking greedy. They thought they were going to have like Mr. Data from Star Trek jerking them off and doing their homework for them within five years of buying it. Well, that's what I mean. Like I would, I would like to know more about the internal situation there because like, they seem to put out like these really either creepy or just amazing robot demonstrations every like six months or so. I mean, and I don't know what it is that's going on there. Like, is, is it that Google's not satisfied? Like Clark said that they're not financially performing how they thought they would. And they just had like really high expectations or are these guys actually legitimately just navel gazing or the, honestly, I can see them possibly selling it because Google wants to be a consumer based company and Boston dynamics Really, probably their primary market is, like, military. Like, producing these robots for, you know, just as, like, workhorses in Afghanistan or something like that, or Iraq. It That's what they seem more likely for me, in my mind, to, like, be used for. Because no one's going to buy, you know, a $15,000 robot to, like, pick up a can on a floor and put it in the trash can in yeah, their house. That's what I don't get about this, because I know one back when they would. bought it, 
they they positioned it as kind of like one of those long-term plays and so i i think that that was part of the equation that they would be selling robots for like heavy industry in the military at like $15,000 a pop and then they learn stuff through building that first second generation of robots and that brings the price down so it's like you know $5,000 to have a robot work in like a you know small or medium enterprise or something like that and then it just cascades down from there but it seems like that wasn't their goal all along i just little curious about why they're just deciding to jettison it especially when other companies are just seem to be buying up robotics companies really quickly like toyota's seems to be scooping up a lot of them and well now we can only hope that apple doesn't buy this well and and then like you have like the japanese robot manufacturers like honda who always have yeah the the, really advanced stuff plays soccer and walks around brings you drinks you know how does boston dynamics compare to what they're doing and like does google have some like inside knowledge that says like oh yeah boston dynamics is actually really underperforming compared to like our japanese competitors or the germans or the other big robot player I, all the japanese stuff i've seen though is like this is asimo and he's gonna kick a soccer ball into the goal and look at him kick it and now he's gonna bring Whoa. us drinks and bow they have like some things where you can have like some amount of a conversation with but in the context of like Oh, like I'm looking for this thing in a store, and it's like, oh, right, you know, you can find, you know, perfumes in aisle three, and it's yeah. like a friendly-ish, almost not quite human-looking face talking to you. But that's like a one facet of robotics. Boston Dynamics to me seems like we're, you know, the way the Mujahideen got all their AK-47s and rocket launchers into Afghanistan in the '80s was donkeys and you know pack mules through the hills. So. We can't be driving tanks or mechanized, you know, basically haulers around, so let's get these robotic donkeys. They they don't seem to be particularly looking to, you know, oh, perfumes in aisle three. Yeah. They want to load 300 kilograms of gear on the back of this thing and send it off with special operations forces to murder people. Yeah, but what Justin, I think, is saying is that you you do that with those robots and those robots are going to be probably really overbuilt for military applications. Once you do that and you have knowledge of building that kind of robot with that kind of military grade redundancy, you can apply that knowledge to building like more like those in-store robots that would direct See, you. I feel like you don't that's, need super strength. I feel like that's like yeah. Honda's plan and other like Japanese robot makers to get, you know, that friendly home robot type thing is like their end goal. But Boston Dynamics from everything that I've seen from their company is very much just like they want to produce robots that they can work with in industry or in military and still be human enough that you can work with, but not be human enough that, you know, you would, you know, give it a name and a place in your home type thing. Yeah. Like the number one application for the Boston dynamics robots, especially their, their bison one, I think is the one that they did like a couple years ago was that it would carry the um, the packs for like all the if they were in the mountains or something it would carry the packs for all the marines or whatever who were on the march or whatever mm-hmm. they were doing so that's like two thousand pounds of gear probably total and that thing's like walking through like a mountain trail with them yeah but there were there was another video that came out uh, last year I think where like it was basically like in a where the robot was in a warehouse human ish form. It was, you know, two legs and arms, 
and it was like you know picking up boxes off the floor and like you know yeah i've seen that one and the people made the great trump gif of it with uh marco bot and trump was just moving the the election oh there's like away with the with the hockey stick. there's dozens of those <laughs> things that just got like memefied like it was those are great um, but see i saw that robot in a nova episode in a competition they did on like robots that actually perform in like um like driving cars and doing things like working tools to rescue people in emergency situations and that robot from boston dynamics i think it's called the atlas yeah and a lot of other companies are using that platform it performed miserably Mm. on the simplest tasks for like rescuing a person from a burning building like it couldn't even like open a door i mean i'm not saying that that means the robot's bad but that's what i think there's so i guess my question is is boston dynamics from the perspective of google are they a real company which google probably thought they were when they bought them are they a real company or are they just more of a thought experiment like, do those guys really have any intention of being a business, or is it just Google's expectations were really outlandish with how productive they were going to be? I'd say it's the second one. If you look at all the how pissy they are about how Nest turned out, yeah, because they the Nest actually we should mention that because that is kind of a sci-fi futuristic thing, like having your home automated. You have one, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, when did that product come out? Twenty twelve. Net the Nest thermostat, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. So that's like four years ago, and Google bought them like a year later, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm wondering. Like, if that hasn't Google's approach to that hasn't set back like home automation like another decade, perhaps not really. I mean, if you look at like some of the stuff that's coming out for home automation, there's tons of stuff that's coming out, like you know, doing your lights, doing like random switches. You can, you know automate things so you know when you're in some sort of location proximity of your house that you know turns on your lights or you can automate your washer dryer there's lots of things going on it's not just nest nest is one company but that nest, was yeah hey, we saw the apple right. keynote okay we know right. the future of the home <laughs> the, the thing about nest though <laughs> is that they were first before anybody else and i think that they were really unique because they actually had a really good like the thermostat i think is a really good product and they was designed well mm-hmm. uh, apparently not so from many reviews that i've read since but i thought it was a really cool product and they had such a head start that they could have really been the de facto like platform yeah, they, layer for everything. They did have a very good head start, but then they ended up stalling was what the issue was with them because they released their carbon dioxide detector and then they bought a company that did cameras and then they just rebranded the cameras and that's all they've done since they've been bought by Google. Like they, the cameras, all they've done since right. they, and they, they killed Dropcam. Well, yeah, Dropcam became... Yeah, but they made the product worse. Yeah. Yeah, a lot worse. And not that it was bad before, but they just, they ruined it and fucked it up. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they just dropped the ball on their own home automation thing. But there's, you know, newer, better thermostats, really, in my mind, now that you could get for your home. I, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but, you know, there's, you don't have to, like, lock yourself into one platform. Yeah. for home automation anymore. The and problem is that there's not really a great way to pull all of those things together right now and control all of them from one central place. And I know like Apple's trying to do that with their home kit thing and has everybody building. But really, there's like 40 or 50 different big companies building smart home accessories. And if you don't have like one of those application layer things like home kit, you know, you really have to have like 10 different apps on your well, phone to control your home if you want to do that. 
Yeah, there's some other things like, you know, Apple's trying to do HomeKit to make it a lot better. Right, and um, Samsung's got their thing. I guess too. Samsung has their thing. Yeah. There's um something called uh, IFFT or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, like if this, then that. Yeah, or yeah, basically. You can build the connections like on a web platform, I think, and then you Yeah, basically, you, have an app. you pretty much just yeah. have to have something on your device that is a compatible web service with the IFT stuff, so. Yeah, it's just like things like the robotics like i think they can the most impressive thing i i've seen out of robotics especially from japan is like the nursing robot the one that they have to take care of elderly people mm-hmm. like that actually works pretty well it looks like from the concepts and the demonstrations they've done like cuz it does all the things that really old people need to do like it provides like some companionship and intellectual stimulation and oh. it can also like give them their medications and things like that, and make sure that they're not forgetting stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, like Japan's, I guess, got like the most elderly population in the world, I, I believe. Yeah. So they're not going to have enough young people to take care of their elderly population. So it's well, that's. I, I guess it's kind of a necessity to have robots doing that for them. I, I feel like I was trying to say this before, but. Japan is trying to make Rosie the robot to like be like all home style and friendly, and it seems like the U.S. is still making Terminators. Terminators, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but which would you rather want, the Rosie the robot or the the Terminator robot? I, like, I think the Rosie robot actually has a lot more utility because although the idea of having Terminators fight our wars for us is like undeniably cool, I think it's just what's the practicality when you have ever more advanced drones in the sky. You don't even need to set foot on the ground in a lot of these cases anymore. I'd rather have Rosie do my dinner and stuff. Yeah. But you're getting the Terminator. Yep, too bad. Or, you know, they can give it a Rosie skin or something. So, Or is it Arnold? Arnold's they're, every model. They're going to give you the Terminator, <laughs> whether you like it or not. I don't think those Japanese robots are going to penetrate the West, personally. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be the Terminator. It's just that we're so far away from the kinds of robots that we see in sci-fi movies that really can integrate into daily life seamlessly yep. that I think it just it's just like a perpetual disappointment for people. I don't know. It's little <laughs> things, though. I mean, you have like little bits of your home that you can automate. You can say, oh, it's kind of like, you know, what a robot task would be. It's like, oh, I can have, you know, a Roomba vacuum for me or I can have, you know... Uh, thermostat you know change my temperature based on you know my actions that it senses and stuff like that like it's little things it's not we we are far away from having you know a data or a rosy you know in our houses i feel like but there's little things you can do if you really want to like have your day-to-day life have small robots in it doing tasks for you yeah i I agree with that actually i think you're right that really the things you can do at home automation today, now that I think about it, it's really a lot of it is kind of stopgap. That mm-hmm. until you would have like an advanced robot that could like become a member of your family almost and do those kinds of domestic things yeah. for you. Until like, you can do that, you can have, yeah. you know, uh some lights that, you know, turn on with, you know, an alarm clock or something like that type thing. It's yeah, we're like, and then in the future, instead of it being on your phone or your tablet, it's like the robot itself would be like the hub for where all those things are tied together. Like if you say like, hey, it's a little cold in here, the robot's like going to adjust the thermostat for you wirelessly, like mm-hmm. just through his or its brain. 
Bam, that's uh, yeah. Amazon's Echo right there, actually. I know somebody who got one in there can uh, just talk to it and be like, hey, Alexa, turn on the lights. Hey, oh, Alexa. so they have, they're also a platform competitor then for like the smart home hub yeah. thing. So like it's, it's Apple versus Amazon versus like all the other Samsung people who versus, are trying yeah. to make the, and I'm sure Google has their home thing too. Google does yeah. have it. They announced yeah. it like a couple months ago. Yeah, Alexa's but I mean, it's cool. all going to be things that are, you know, HomeKit compatible, Alexa compatible, like all these things, they're all going to be, probably have their own hub, like Nest has their own hub, you know, the Belkin lights, I think is what they are, or no, Philips lights, maybe Belkin has some the, too. The Philips Hue things. Yeah, the, they have yeah. their own hub sitting on their phone, but they're all like, they can tie into these different hub services. So once there is a hub that is good enough that, you know, can be controlled by every or control everything well enough as you know the individual apps then that's you know probably the platform that's going to like win out or something the question is then will consumers at least the ones who can afford it which would be like the united states japan and western Mm -hmm. europe will they want to adopt smart home technology in a big way so it becomes actually like a mass market product or is this always going to be like a curiosity thing i think it's going to be a lot for like that you can integrate i think it's going to be a lot for like people that are like oh that sounds cool it's like oh man i always have trouble getting up in the morning be awesome if my light came on automatically or stuff like that like and it's like oh yeah and i have you know disposal income of you know oh i can spend you know 40 bucks on a light bulb instead of you know the normal three dollars or whatever it's because it's cool old people thing yeah it's something that is like oh this is a cool thing that i think is neat so i'm gonna go buy it not oh, this is a necessity for home life. I'm going to go spend $300 on a thermostat. Well, that's true, but Clark brings up a good point that you know most of the population in the next like 30 years, it's going to be elderly for the, that time period. So if you have people who are that old, they're like the majority of the market and they will have a large percentage of the money and they don't want to adopt that because they're not digital natives or whatever, How's what's the chance that it would really take off and become... But you can have a minority majority, like electric cars. Old people don't trust that. I, th- I think it's a matter of getting it into the marketplace, getting it more field tested and shaped better to whatever consumer plat- consumer you want to target. And then maybe in, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess we can, you know, get the, you know, Wi-Fi lights instead of, you know, just the normal LED type things. So I think people still have the, like, old people have the... It's a matter of the, getting it familiar right. in the market. They have the familiarity gap because they didn't grow up with, like, natively with computers. But I still think that through all the demographics, there's, like, a concern about security. Like, can my home be hacked? And they've repeatedly proven that you can hack these smart home things. Yeah, like there's... Current generations pretty easily. There's a lot of issues with security right, right now around, like home automation and i think i remember seeing a video about um some car that uh got hijacked or whatever yeah or there was like a planned hijacking but they did it really yeah pretty stupidly on the highway Do you know what kind of car it was was it a bmw or was it a jeep it was a jeep the oh thing that killed Chekhov <laughs> and the yeah. jeep strikes again oh man maybe he was whacked purposely by jj abrams because he knew this movie was gonna suck so he had to take out one of the actors in a tragic accident to improve ticket sales. Boost those ticket sales. I'm just putting it out there. Do a Heath Ledger on him. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. And then the other thing is uh, 
are people really the reliability of these things? I mean, are they all so universally reliable that people will want to adopt them? Like the light bulbs work usually when you when you work them through your phone. Yeah, the, other things I hear are not so good. Like the thermostats. I've heard don't horror like stories about the her, the thermostats, yeah. but it's like I've personally never had an issue with the thermostat. So it's like, I think yeah, the horror stories sound a lot worse than it's a lot. They sound a lot more impactful than they actually are, probably. I mean, it's probably one out of, you know, 100,000 thermostats that probably get made or something like that. But, yeah, when you hear stories like, my heat went to, you know, 100 degrees and I couldn't turn it down unless I ripped it out of the wall, then, yeah, that's kind of, that sounds really bad. And then, you know, that's the type of story, you know, a company would latch onto and be like, oh, shit, we have to, you know, address 100% of this customer's concerned, you know, put out a bunch of press releases saying we fixed it and never have to worry yeah. about this shit again and... There's just like how much more convenient is it automating your home versus I can flip on the light switch, you know? That's, that's what, what I think people have a tough time getting over. Like, how is this really? That's one mindset. Life? I don't think they're trying to like get to that person. They're trying to get to the person that's like, oh, this thing is cool. I want to try it out. I don't care that it costs you know five, ten x the price of a normal light bulb. But I the, think this is a yeah, cool right. little device. I just want to have my home to play with. But really, to make it the market or the phenomenon they want it to be, you have to get to that person, I think, in the end. Eventually, but that's what I'm saying. That brings the cost You get into the person who wants the cool little thing in their home. They, You have it in the market for, you know, 10 years or something. Prices change. They go down in price or something. You, you know, micronize some of the things, and then it gets to a price point where it's like, you get to the point where you as a person saying like, yeah, it's pretty easy to flip on a light, but if I pay three extra dollars, I can have this thing I can do my, my phone or I can, like, you know, yell at my, you know, Amazon Echo or whatever to turn it on. Yeah, I guess I'm asking, like, what is, what's their plan to make that transition is, I guess, what I would wonder about, like, the transition to smart homes and then to robots. How do you acclimate those people who are not technology natives and who have, you know, they're not that early adopter set or the you know, outer croppings of those early adopters. You wait for the old people to die, well, but, and then you know, the other people will be long, young enough. Right, to... that's a long time coming, though. Like, yeah. we're talking 30 or 40 years before, like, the current, like, you know, 50 and older generations are, you know, completely moved out of existence. <laughs> it's like, you can't, if they want this to be a real business and with the money they're investing, they can't wait that long, I don't think. They can do a long game. Well, I mean, that's what they were ostensibly... I th- I thought their strategy was with Boston Dynamics, but apparently, you know, they wanted their money quicker. So it may have just been that other things? Boston Dynamics, like I said before, they weren't going in the same direction that Google would have hoped, being towards you know Rosie the robot. They wanted to go Terminator instead, and so it's like, well, Boston Dynamics, it was good knowing you, but we are not in the Terminator business. What other robotics companies do they own? I think isn't Boston Dynamics the only one? Oh, I think their other companies are like. There's a genomics company, and they've got like a data company for like healthcare or something. I mean, it's now that possible. Like they have their alphabet, alphabet umbrella companies <laughs> yeah. and whatnot. I don't know what they hey, all are. Who's excited for the Theranos movie with uh, Jennifer Lawrence in it? I think that sounds pretty interesting, actually. <laughs> Thank you, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I would go see that because that's just going to be a fun train wreck. Wait, what movie is this? You know, the Theranos blood testing thing? 
where it's like we can do all the blood tests I need, like vials of blood for oh, one drop of blood. Oh, like a pinprick of blood, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. but it, it doesn't actually work. Have you been following this story? Um, A little bit. Basically, the CEO keeps saying well, our shit works, and everyone keeps saying your shit doesn't work. And yeah. I forget who. Right. What, what, did Google drop a bunch of money on them, or was it some other no. company? That some gullible fucks gave them $9 billion. Okay. No, they didn't give them $9 billion. It's, they, I think their total, they have like $700 million or something like that in funding. But the people who invested in them, like they have a personal family connection to that woman because she grew up with the investor's kids or something. So, of course, like there's a personal connection there. And apparently all the top-tier VC firms passed on investing in them because they wouldn't reveal like what's behind their technology in a pitch meeting. Yeah, that's fucking But these guys went ahead and invested in them. And for anybody who hasn't been following this story, it's like the Wall Street Journal basically exposed them as... You know, having a technology that didn't actually work, and they're not actually doing anything with their pinprick blood testing units. They're actually just running a conventional blood testing lab. And when they were using the machines, they came back with results that were bad. So they actually had to void like two years of test results. And so doctors made decisions, medical decisions, based on faulty blood test results provided by Theranos. Ostensibly, that's what the accusation is. I think they're investigating it right now. Mm. And then Walgreens was like their biggest partnership and the majority of the revenue and Walgreens just dumped them about a month ago. I think they just dissolved the partnership completely because of the lack of trust. I think they cited. Yeah. Whatever. It's just a weird situation. And it's like one of those startups that has this like futuristic sounding product, which would be really awesome if you didn't have to get like a, big needle put in your arm to get a blood draw and you just had a little pinprick mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who would prefer that like me i hate needles but you know well, i hate how needles much of too it but smoke it's like mirrors i know it's like a it's a necessary thing right now i guess to like you know you all give like give blood or just you know have blood for testing you need to have a giant needle stuck in your arm type thing and i just know it's like it sucks i hate it i just like look away and close my eyes and like but yeah, the pinprick thing would be nice. Just I, you know, it's when you have a company that doesn't reveal like into investors like how their shit works, it's like okay, we're gonna give you you know millions of dollars. Tell us how your shit works. Right. No, they're not gonna tell anybody then, else because they're investing the money in you. They don't. They're not gonna violate that and give somebody else the secret. I mean, yeah, it's it's just like the company that sold the <clears throat> the bomb detection sticks to Iraq and a bunch of other Middle Eastern countries. But they turned out to be plastic tubes. <laughs> you guys didn't read about this? No. Like this thing, like a scanner you can put around a car or a vehicle and it'll find bombs. And they sold them like uh, upgrade cards, which were like the food cards, I guess, from the 1960s Star Trek, like colored plastic blocks that you'd put in there. And it would make it detect biological bombs now. Yeah. Okay. company made a shitload of money sending them plastic tubes. Is this to, like, Iraqi military or, like... Yeah, the the government security people at the checkpoints. And after, I think the New York Times had a big expose on this, the the countries that bought them, for whatever reason, I guess, kept buying them and insisting, oh, no, they work. They work. I guess they didn't want to lose face and look like dipshits, but, yeah, they spent millions of dollars buying plastic tubes. I don't know, this is just, like... (laughs) 
you get like some amount of, you know, cultural truth going, I guess. It's not, it can't, it doesn't have to be true. It can be, you know, complete bullshit. But it just reminds me of like, you know, the Korean fan thing, the Korean fan death stuff. It's like, oh, oh we're yeah. going to spend, you know, <laughs> you know, however much it costs to put in one of those little timers into every single fan that's ever been sold in Korea, just because those crazy shits think, you know, leaving a fan on a night will like suck all the oxygen out of the room. Sorry, Koreans, if you're listening, doesn't work that way. You're a racist. Apparently. I don't respect our, you know, country's cultures. Yeah. No. Okay. Racist. Yeah, fuck, fuck there. No, so it's a scam. <laughs> oh, no, I, it seems like a scam. We can't say it is a scam, but it seems like one. Right. They're, they're under investigation. You as an outside observer with no ties to the company, you can have an opinion if it is a scam or not, if you believe that. That's a, that's a legally charged term, though. So it seems like a scam. Some people might say it is. Let's put it that way. And you cannot say whether you are one of those people that... No, if I were, I might agree with them, but some people think it is. Okay, but you aren't agreeing with them. I'm not agreeing with them, no, Okay, just to be clear. <laughs> now I want to play a game. And I assume we're done talking about Boston Dynamics. That's and fine, yeah. Thermometers, thermostats. Okay. To circle back to Star Trek, which is appropriate for our film discussion today, I want to circle back and talk about something Sam, who I guess is going to just be one of our contributors from now on, sent me. Who? Uh, Sam. We're, we're acknowledging him again because he's a contributor. He okay. has a contributor account on the WordPress site. His stuff has to be reviewed. Um, okay. So uh, there are now rules for Star Trek fan film, or sorry, they are guidelines for making a Star Trek fan film. They are rules you must follow according to Paramount and CBS. This is after J.J. Abrams and Justin Lin picked up you know, some press accolades for letting the, the Axanar fan film go ahead. The what? Star Trek Axanar, a fan film about some shit that happens before Captain Kirk's time. Okay. Uh, they, you know, it was going, it's going, it's going. They got a cease and desist, and then it's like, oh, you guys should let them do it. And they're like, okay, we're good guys. We'll let them do it. But now they've released their, their, <laughs> their, their enumerated guidelines, which I'm going to read to you. I want you guys to just listen to these and take them in. Okay, rule number one. The fan production must be less than 15 minutes for a single self-contained story or no more than two segments, episodes, or part not to exceed 30 minutes total with no additional seasons, episodes, parts, sequels, or remakes. So how can you tell a story? That seems, no, that seems justifiable if you want to tell like a short contained story that doesn't have, you know, a ton of impact on their greater universe. Just like, you know, a little side story about, you know. So basically they just killed making any kind of feature length mm -hmm. fan film. Yeah, and you can't actually make a real uh, episode-length fan film either, because an episode needs to be like forty-five minutes. You know, if you factor in commercial time. Yes. Right. So, if you're making you, a fan film, you don't have to worry about commercial time. Well, maybe on YouTube, you could. YouTube ads are like sixty seconds tops. Yeah, but you can intersperse. What's them. a YouTube ad? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Never seen one of those. Um, that just sounds stupid. 
to me that they're just basically killing it without saying they're killing it. Yeah, as we go through these rules, you may get the impression they're saying you can do it, but you really can't. So, well, no, they're guidelines. You can do whatever the fuck they you want. Okay, it's just that, these are guidelines you should follow <laughs> if you want to have you know the blessing of JJ or something. It, this is my question. Are these like actual rules they can enforce legally on them, or are they just guidelines like nobody's going to follow them? Well, it's all their intellectual property, so they can, of course, take you to court over it all the time. If you don't follow these rules. Yeah, basically, there's, these are guidelines that, you know, they have the discretion to, you can go outside of them, and they, that's up to them, or if you go outside of them, they can whack you. Uh... The title of a fan production or any parts cannot include the name Star Trek. However, the title must contain a subtitle with the phrase a Star Trek fan production in plain typeface. The fan production cannot use the term official in either its title or subtitle or in any marketing promotions or social media for the fan production. That's reasonable. Yeah, is that okay, that's fine. The content in the fan production must be original, not reproductions, recreations, or clips from any Star Trek production. If non-Star Trek third-party content is used, all necessary permissions for any third-party content should be obtained in writing. That, okay, that's Reasonable, fine. Yeah. <clears throat> if a fan production uses commercially available Star Trek uniforms, accessories, toys, and props, these items must be official merchandise and not bootleg items or imitations of such commercially available products. So you aren't allowed to make your own costumes? Pretty much. That, that to me sounds so <laughs> short-sighted. They don't understand their own fan base. They don't understand the people who are really diehard Star Trek fans who will make these things and have like that influential subculture because they're just saying, oh, well, it's just another opportunity for us to squeeze a little more money. Yeah, that, that, honestly, that line makes it sound like, oh, you can't even you know cosplay as anything you want from Star Trek anymore. You have to buy official costumes and whatnot. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds real. That's... That's killing the spirit of Star Trek right there. Uh, well, the fan productions must be, this is number five, a real quote-unquote fan production, i.e. creators, actors, and all other participants must be amateurs and cannot be compensated for their services. So... And are not currently or previously employed in any Star Trek series, films, production of DVDs, or with any CBS or Paramount Pictures licensees. So basically, no one who's ever been involved in Star Trek ever at any point in time can help, and you can't pay anybody who helps out. So again, they're just they're they're killing. <laughs> yeah. Why aren't the actors freed? If if these things don't have any bearing on the Star Trek universe, why do they care? That's what I don't get about this whole thing. Like they're just giving these fan films more attention than they would otherwise get by making these silly rules. So. The fan production uh, must only be exhibited or distributed on a no-charge basis and or shared via streaming services without generating revenue. Uh, so long as the total fundraising amount does not exceed $50,000. Oh, uh, wait, go back. So you can't even have, like, YouTube money coming from yes. anything? Yes. Wow, okay. The fan production cannot be distributed in physical formats such as DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, bunch of other stuff here. Uh, it can't sell props, costumes uh, to raise money. The here's the my favorite one: the fan production must be family friendly and suitable for public presentation. Videos must not include profanity, nudity, obscenity, pornography, depictions of drugs, alcohol, tobacco, or any harmful or illegal activity, or any material that is offensive, fraudulent, defamatory, libelous, disparaging, sexually explicit 
threatening, hateful, or, or any other inappropriate content, the content of the fan production cannot violate any individual's right of privacy. So really, if so you navigate... you can't make anything interesting. If you navigate through all the other hoops that they've set, they can just say, ah, oh, that's going to offend somebody. Didn't Data fuck Tasha Yar? Well, yeah, but didn't they drink alcohol all the time? But yeah, but, you know... Mm. Synthahol. Yeah, <laughs> synthahol. I mean, but Picard and Scotty get trashed off of the Aldebaran whiskey. That's right, they do. And Picard says shit all the time in French on the show. He says merit a lot. Yeah. They just stick that in there. I mean, he swears. It's okay because it's not in English. Well, by their own criteria there, the Star Trek First Contact wouldn't have been made because like, I think that violates all of those rules. No, no, what I was thinking of when I read this is fucking Deep Space Nine. Yeah, they come, couldn't, the come, whole series would have been gone. Come to Quark's Bar and Grill where you've got somebody mopping the jizz out of the hollow suites with the Vulcan Love Slave program while people are pounding drinks at the bar. Like, right. that, That's all those rules. <laughs> what? <is>. <laughs> Justin, you gotta watch. I guess these you gotta shows. watch Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Okay. You gotta catch up on this. You gotta catch up on the jizz mop and uh, you gotta have a disclaimer saying, you know, you're it's a fan film, blah blah blah. You can't. <laughs> Another good one. Creators of fan productions must not seek to register their works nor any element of the work under copyright or trademark law. So even if you do write it all by yourself, it's still ours. And you cannot imply any association or endorsement from CBS or Paramount Pictures, but you must comply with our rules. And CBS and Paramount reserve the right to revise, revoke, or withdraw the guidelines as they see fit without any prior notice. So basically, you can't make fan films anymore. I might just, again, why do they care so much about <laughs> fan films? Like, nobody watches them anyway. It's just like, it's just. Films made by diehard Star Trek fans for other diehard Star Trek fans. Yeah, it's like writing a fanfic that right. you just get a little too into and start filming it. Exactly. And so why do they care about this so much? Do not go on fanfic.com <laughs> and start looking up like the house card like X Riker shit or something <laughs> through like some sort of like time portal they got together. No, the, the Picard, best. Picard and Riker are Oh wait, no, I was thinking Kirk. Kirk, yeah. No, the best is the, the house fan fiction. Okay, did they have that, that was the some whole... sort of like hot, sweaty love like they did on fanfic.net? They fought on a hot planet. There, there was kind of awkward scene where Captain Kirk's making breakfast and insists his wife is upstairs and Picard is helping him make breakfast. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, some, there's some subtle tension going on between the two characters at that point in time. And I'm sure there's a fanfic that is yeah. all around that. I, I have no doubt there's a fanfic where they brutally fuck each other in the kitchen before they go out to back into the, the, the Nexus. This is after uh, a older black woman turns Picard down on his offer for companionship. So there's, there's a real. And then is there like a separate part of that story about the jizz mopping? I'm I'm not kidding. Quark, the character, the Frank who owns the bar in Deep Space Nine, does say that somebody needs to clean out the hollow suite several times. <laughs> they leave it there, but I mean, you can kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah, get out the shop back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I just. So what is uh, everything has fan fiction? Why uh, again? What is the big deal here? But these are fan films, so I don't think that they're going to stop you from going on fanfiction.net and writing your, you know, Chekhov and Sulu are on the bridge late at night story if you want, but as far as making a film or any kind of Star Trek not coming from the official studio visual depiction of what's going on. So gonna... like their argument is that all the that well, all these fan films is like how many two, two 
are <laughs> polluting the Star Trek brand because they're out there on like YouTube and stuff and can be seen in the same forum. As, I mean, like, honestly, it just sounds like they're trying to protect their IP like Disney would for Star Wars. And I don't think they realize that but Star so, Trek isn't the same as Star Wars in that sense. Disney did the same thing with they they killed the old expanded universe from Star Wars, but they didn't say like, oh, like, you know, anybody referencing that stuff, you know, you can't do that anymore. They just said, oh, yeah, we're not going to stop selling that stuff, but it's all just legends now. It doesn't have bearing on the continuity. Like, I don't understand what's... Star Trek doesn't even have that kind of relationship with its properties and... And their argument is that that's going to pollute it. Well, how do they explain, like, Star Trek Into Darkness? And, <laughs> you know, they polluted their own franchise. Yeah, but you're, you're missing the point. That That's all okay. These fan films are bad. These poorly written fan films. These poorly written fan films, they're not written by Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. Right. So again, just being from the perspective outside the company legal department, I Hey, you're a fucking hack. You don't know. Right. I just I don't understand why they're so concerned about, you know, fan films encroaching on the legitimacy of the Star Trek brand when they're, they're doing a perfect job of ruining it themselves. They're not concerned about it. They just it, it, they just don't want anybody else potentially I I don't know, t- like using their it's like the, uh, what's his face, George Martin, fat guy who wrote Game of Th- or used to write Game of Thrones novels, getting so upset about fan fiction being written about his characters. Hey, Winter Winter is coming out, just you wait. <laughs> 2017 to 2020. Well, Justin, I hate to disappoint you <laughs> on that, but he, he seems to be spending a lot of his time these days hanging out with Stephen King on the book tour, asking Stephen King how he writes so quickly. Oh, yeah, I saw that interview. <laughs> that was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Well, I sit down with an idea, and then I write the book. Yeah, well, and what then do you do, George? <laughs> well, no, okay, honestly, okay, can we talk about this for a second? Yeah, go so ahead. So I can defend my boy? Your boy? My boy? He's a little old to be your boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway okay so stephen king writes because he loves to write george writes because he loves fantasy and that's how he got into fantasy is by writing a lot so they have different you know motivations for writing he likes the idea of being in the fantasy like culture and being with people who enjoy fantasy too whereas stephen king writes because he loves to write so his motivation is, I need to write to write. I have all these ideas. I got to get them on paper. George is like, oh, I love this story. It's in my head. I need to tell you this thing. And like, it's all into the characters and like dealing with the cons and the people. And that's what he likes. So let's jump back one sentence, though. Okay. I love all these characters and I got these stories in my head. I need to write them. He wants to tell stories and like, he yes. likes to like. Then build those stories very intricately and, like, you know, have all these, like, inner, you know, these people that are dealing with each other and whatnot. Wait, you're and, saying, that, are you saying that Stephen King stories don't don't have that kind of intricacy? I mean, I guess the Dark Tower series did, sure. Oh, but, you got you to gotta expand your palette, man, on this. Okay. Like, but, I mean, a lot of... deep shit. But, no, uh, his <laughs> stories for... I, I haven't read enough Stephen King, to be perfectly honest, but a lot of his stories are a bit... Uh, I guess I could borrow some of those. Yeah. Um, are they standalone for the most part? Or they have minor, like, you know, crossover type things? They aren't like, you know... Yeah, it doesn't write long series. Yeah, it's not, you know, stories with a thousand characters in a single book that, you know, you have to worry about their eye colors and, you know, 
what they had for breakfast the other day because they might be shitting, you know, green or black or something like that. Maybe. <laughs> two of them. Okay, that's, I'm just using that example because he... There are aspects in the story where he's like, oh, man, like, you know, so-and-so character ate, you know, some eggs and peppers for breakfast, and then he threw up eggs and peppers later. When he See, was I've like, not read the Game of Thrones books, so is this actually what the writing is like? Like, you know, they, Oh, there's so... There's, like, say like pages oh, and pages upon, Joffrey like... Joffrey had some eggs, and then he... No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't understand. There are, like... Anytime somebody eats something, there is at least, like, a page and a half description of everything they're eating, which, I mean, you look at George and... He loves food. <laughs> he loves food. He loves eating. And so, he like, loves you're shitting. saying he's writing about like some fried eggs or something, and he just gets so hungry and has to leave the keyboard and get up and eat, and then he like well, no, it's the idea when he comes back. It's he more did. about like there's a lot of like minor characters, and like you have to remember like oh these minor characters' motivations. Like, if you don't just have you know a throwaway cashier, that cashier is going to have a name, a history, and like you know there will be you know loyal to like you know, the Aaron family or the Starks or something, and, like, you know, they may be, like, a spy or something, and they'll be giving information to so-and-so, and it's, like, you have to, like, that's that's the sort of, like, ties he has into, like, all his characters, and he has to, like, keep track of them, so it's sort of a nightmare trying to get all the characters he wants. Like, he has an idea at the end of the story where he wants it, and he's sort of in the middle of it trying to, like, untangle it to try and, like, get them there at the moment. I think a lot of writers feel that way. But though. I know, I'm. he is a slow writer, just that is his argument for being a slow writer that he sort of just organically grows a story towards some kind of goal he has an idea of but the growing of it he isn't sure how to control exactly and get it to sounds like discipline to me yeah it probably is part discipline for him but no like i think that's what king said right that he sits down and he demands like he gets six pages a day and he'll write forever how long it takes to get those six pages and then He'll do whatever, and then he's so attuned to that that he usually gets done before lunchtime, and mm-hmm. then he just has the rest of his day to do what he does or whatever he wants. Yeah, and uh, he was saying like, "Well, how do you do that? I can't get like six pages when I sit down, and I don't know. Just finish the book already. Like, why does this? How long has he been writing this this most since, recent book? Oh, um, when did uh?" It, the Dance of Dragons came out with the first at the end of the first season of Game of Thrones. He's been writing this last book for four or five years now. More than that. Game of Thrones is on season six now. No, you're right. So he's been writing it for five or six years. Yeah, and he's Plus. had he's had about he's had a few chapters at least that he cut from Dance because Dance was going to be this massive tome of a book, and they cut you know about. I think a fourth of it out and a lot of those chapters have been either thrown away or repurposed or rewritten, revised type thing in order to add to the Winter Winter. And when did the first book in this series come out? Like 1996. Oh my God. Yeah. So those people that have been waiting, you know. 20 that, years. Yeah. Jeez. I'm glad I picked it up when I did. But again, now I'm sad because I'm still waiting, but... Now I just read about theories about how. Doesn't you, it make you, you read happy the fan though? fiction in the meantime, right? Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm sure there is fan fiction for Game of Thrones and uh, Song of Ice and Fire, but there's a lot more going on around just people writing crackpot theories, trying to figure out what the hell's going on, which are pretty hilarious sometimes. Yeah, but 
he's got it in his will that his his attorney is supposed to destroy his notes if he dies before he finishes them. Newsflash, they never do. <laughs> they get published posthumously, and then he'll have like a letters exhibit at a university. That's always I think that would kind of be hilarious if they did, though. Yeah. <laughs> there are actually uh, are some... I mean, this is getting completely off the sci-fi train at the moment, but there are notes that are published to his, that were written to his editor that have been in a library now that basically gave an outline of what he originally intended for the, the books. He planned, he planned to be a trilogy and that to be like a love triangle between like John, Arya, and Tyrion or something like that. So like, it's just very different from his original intentions. Wow. Anyway, yes. And yet he still will not accept fan fiction, so George R. R. Martin is CBS Paramount. Possibly. Yeah, that's fuck, fuck CBS Paramount. Maybe that's what the mountains are referenced to. Mm-hmm. It's like his code word in his books for saying, like, yeah, I'm CBS Paramount. Can't have the Star Trek. Can't have Walter Koenig, Chekhov, who's ironically still alive. Uh I'm sorry, it's just it's fucked up that the guy from the 1960s series is still alive and the 20, what, nine, eight-year-old kid is toast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, well, I can't remember what that movie that came out was. Renegades or something? That was the last fan film I've seen that had Tuvok in it, Tim Russ, and Walter Koenig. And it was awful. But I, I don't know. I don't agree with no, CBS. No, that, that's my problem. Is the fan fiction film people make their... Films of, you know, passion or whatever. Like, people want to do them because they love the series. And yeah. to put, you know, a collar on that seems very backwards. You know, wasn't there a, they continued the original series? They yeah. had a show, Star Trek Continues or something. Yep. That's what it was called. And I don't think that series was by any means good. The acting was really shitty and stuff. But they did really put their hearts in it. Like, they actually did, like sequels to a lot of classic episodes and they got the original actors from some of those classic episodes who are yeah, yeah still alive like the guy from uh adonis the who mourns guy. for adonis that yep. episode they got the guy to reprise his role as the the greek god guy can't and they, do it anymore yeah but they they caught up with him in, right in that new episode and like continued that story i mean can't do it anymore yeah it's really weird and stupid but I don't know. I think there's a delineation. Written fan fiction always descends into House and Wilson getting raped at a truck stop and film fan fiction. Still the best fan fiction ever. God, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. The House fan fiction. <sighs> I mean, it's not like how it ends, but it's the fact that somebody wrote a story that starts out like, oh, we're driving to a funeral. Hold up. Uh, pull over. I got to take a leak. And then they get raped at a truck stop. Like, <laughs> Just like they, they wanted it to go there the whole right, time. Right. Like that's... <laughs> Like George Martin, they had an idea of where their story needed to end, and they were, they were trying to get their characters there. <laughs> and they got raped. Oh, God, how, well, do, there, I, how do I get them raped? There <laughs> are some fan fictions that are actually good, but there's a lot of people that just, you know, write fan fictions as, you know, their own personal sexual fetishes to be like, oh, man, if House, you know, got raped in the ass by Wilson, I'd get so hard right now I could jerk but off to it. How like, much of fan fiction is that? Like Most of it? It's probably yeah. most of it, but, like... <laughs> That's like with anything. Like, there's a ton of, you know, trashy writing out there that, you know, are in books, but, you know, you read the good things, you hear about other people reading it, and it's like, oh, they, I hear it's good and whatnot. Like, you don't go to Barnes & Noble and, like, pick up, you know, some, you know, trashy romance novel with, you know, some 
guy with the, out a shirt on next to a horse or something. It's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. Well, millions of people do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be selling them. Yeah, and people read yeah. fan fiction for the same reason. Because right. it is that, you know, I mean, it doesn't have, you know, cover art like that. But it's basically the same thing. To a point. Yes. To a point. Mm-hmm. But I believe that fan fiction that we discovered playing Payday that I, I took the time to bring to life for you. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Well, I'm sure the, there's the, somebody the guy, out there. The, I'm sure. No, I'm sure the guy who wrote it was very happy with it. But to have an anime character join a group of professional thieves and then kill them by impaling them on his cock. <laughs> maybe there's there's something else going on in his life. No, no, no. I'm that, sure. Like, there's people who write it either because they think it's funny. You know, they get off to it. Like, whatever. I think the second one is probably the case. Yeah, but they write it for their own enjoyment is what I'm saying. And to try and put a collar on people's passions like that, with, like what CBS is doing, it just seems like you can't think this. You can't do this. You can't do anything with this. It's like you have to do it our way yeah, that, or else it's a thought yeah, crime. I agree with you. Yeah. That's, that's, why, that's why this is a problem to me because it's just so inward looking and it makes people hate Star Trek. Because they, you know, they say, oh, you have to do it our way, and it's this monolithic thing, or, you know, you don't, you don't know what Star Trek is until we've told you. And they're fine with seeing the official Star Trek, but I think that the CBS people would be better off accepting, like, just that there's a few fan films out there, because that ultimately keeps people passionate about Star Trek. Like, can't they just overlook that? I had a good segue here. Go, go for it. Hop on your segue. You know what's a good fan-ish film about star-ish track stuff? I don't know, Justin. What is it? Galaxy Quest. Neat. Did you use the original segue to get there? Huh? Did you use the original segue to get there? Yeah, the one that actually like flew off the cliff and killed the dude and yeah, invented okay. it. Yeah. No, that guy's still alive. Oh, wait, what? Oh, shit. Yeah, there's a whole Netflix documentary about him. He's still alive. Oh, I thought he died from that. I think that was like the president of the company or something, but the guy who actually invented it is still alive. Mm, okay. He made some kind of crazy machine that purifies water. Actually purifies or purifies with like crystals and pyramids? Actually, no. Okay. Actually purifies. Not Alex Jones. By the filters. By the filters. Not that. Not, not that kind filters of Filters up the radiation after the Holocaust. His filter <laughs> commercials are fucking hilarious, though. He's trying to advertise his crystals. are like, you know, these are crystals from deep in the ground. And I, I took them for a month, and now I'm jacked. <laughs> this is me before and then after. Have you seen that? No, honestly, well, it looks like I haven't. It's like the him before and he's like kind of like, uh, he's and then spray paint abs. And then right? a, after he's like <laughs> changed the lighting so it's top down so all his muscles are visible and he looks like he got sunburned. He's just like red and <laughs> these crystals come from like two miles deep in the ground. So what the government doesn't want you to find out, you know, the NWO and Barack Obama don't want you to find out about this. <laughs> I, I like my favorite is the one where he sells like the male enhancement supplements, like 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 the government's putting like stuff to diminish your testosterone in the water and stuff like that. You got to get it back so you can survive like the new order and shit. And it's like you got to take my tribulus terrestris. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's. Not as good as him turning into a Super Saiyan, because that's still funny to me. Yeah, Hillary, the crooked thing. I, I don't know what no, you the guys are oh, talking George, about. I hate yeah. George Soros. Ah! <laughs> I'll show you after. <laughs> I'm honestly a little scared right now. but Galaxy Quest. Yes. First time seeing it, huh? Yes. What would you think? Pretty cute. 
even though you haven't seen like a whole lot of Star Trek. I've, well, that's the thing. It's like I you've seen enough. no enough Star Trek from just like cultural osmosis. Just like you know, I saw two thousand nine. I've seen a little bit of you know some of the series that were on like TBS and whatnot. Yep. Um, Futurama had a lot of Star Trek stuff in it. That, like all of that, I you know have absorbed and I know Star Trek in that fashion. Yeah. So I was able to like be like, oh yeah, that's like kind of a cool callback to something Star Trekky. That's neat. I mean, I probably missed out on a lot of like smaller jokes or something like that. Like you mentioned about like him ripping off his shirt because yeah. Kirk always did that. I probably wouldn't have got that, but I was like, oh okay, that looks like a Kirk fight. Yeah, exactly. With the giant rock monster. And yeah. The Alan Rickman's dead. Yes. A lot, a lot of dead people. Uh, Wait, a lot of dead people? I'm doing you know, a lot of Star Trek deaths here. Oh, well, he was never in Star Trek. But he's but, in Galaxy Quest, so yeah. it's like, yeah, you know. They're, they're a related subject. It's yes. the ultimate fan fiction. Yeah, I, well, I, I think that's interesting because uh, this movie, I, I don't think CBS Paramount would have made this movie because they, they treat their, I mean, they do acknowledge that some of their fans have, are like, need to be shot. But... Just like specifically the people who are coming up to Alan Rickman in the beginning. Trying, <laughs> oh yeah, like the the guy with like the the swim cap on, and just trying to like ah oh, by the sons of war and he just grabs it, the grabs the photo and signs and just like next fuck off yeah, like, yeah. get out of here. That's but, the best thing about Alan Rickman. That's <laughs> he has like this great like fuck off face. Like I do not want to be here. Just like get the fuck out of my face right now. But. Well, I, they, they, that was a good parody, though, of I think like of Leonard Nimoy yeah. back in like the late '60s and early '70s. Like I guess he had a phase where he did not want to be known as Spock, mm-hmm. or it, it was alleged. He now, like before he died, he said that that never really was the case, but that he just didn't want to be known as Spock. He wrote he, a whole book about it. Though. Well, yeah, and then he wrote another book, kind of recanting. Yeah, it. but that's yeah. I'm saying that at some point he clearly, despite but, what he might have said, he clearly didn't. I mean, like, like right, the, he was uncomfortable with like the attention from fans at the conventions. It's like, hey, you know, I do other stuff in acting besides this guy with the pointy ears, and no one cares about right. that though. At the convention, <laughs> they're there to see Spock. Well, yeah, I mean, the stuff he does that he doesn't have pointy ears on pays the bills, but you know, he's known as pointy ear guy. Yeah, but that's that's the like why Alan Rickman's character is so great in this movie. Cause, yeah, because it's a callback to that. Yeah, because he has that little like speech, like I, you know, I was it Henry V or something. I got like three curtain calls, and I'm you know I'm fucking here in the convention center putting on this goddamn makeup to go talk to a bunch of losers and like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Tim Allen is like a, a hyper parody of William, Sh- or maybe not too much of a hyper parody, but a. Minor parody. A, on, a, a only slight exaggeration, apparently, from what I've read, but based on the other actors in Star Trek's... A thin remember. homage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very thinly veiled homage to William Shatner showing up at the last minute, grabbing the glory, really enjoying his fans because they love him and he gets off on that. Mm-hmm. Well, again, the, like parodying how he was perceived to be and he admits he was in the, like the late seventies and the eighties that yeah. he was a huge showboat by his own admission, and he pissed a lot of people off, including in the fellow cast members, because he was such a glory hog and he was pretty arrogant too. I think there's there's stories about the Star Trek motion picture on set that he was just apparently really insufferable to everybody during that movie, which. You're going to pick a movie to be insufferable on. That probably just made the whole thing even worse. That movie is not... Yeah. Uh, 
So like the movie itself was insufferable when they were filming it, probably, and then he had to be a double jerk on top of that. It's even worse in the theater. Anyway, Mac Kid. Justin something or other. Justin Long. Yeah. Yeah. Mac Kid saves the day. Right, yeah, because we were talking about fans and how they have a pretty clear, like, well, these people need to be shot, and that's part of the Star Trek sci-fi, you know, fan pantheon. Some people really just need to calm the fuck down. Mm -hmm. Laser guy. Yeah. (laughs) But then, then there's the... The people who are like the genuine fans who obviously take a lot of inspiration from it because you know this kid gets called a fag at school, like, yeah, 100%. There's, <laughs> there's just no fucking way, yeah. But he still like loves what he loves, and right. it, that doesn't like being called a fag doesn't change that, exactly. Yeah, so but it's it's good that he and his friends who have like the genuine appreciation for it are the ones who save the day and, and not the 600 pound guy with the swim cap on. Yeah, that, you know, just bought a t-shirt and stuck a little pin on it and be like, yeah. oh, I'm so cool. I I'm love such Star a big Trek. fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, he oh, is literally a big fan. Nobody He's loves me. He's a big me. guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but Justin Long character is probably the type of kid who uh, carried around a bunch of books in his uh, backpack at school. and No, 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 in a duffel bag. A duffel bag? There was, there was a duffel bag. Was there? There was a duffel bag for the creature compendiums. Oh, I didn't know that. How do you get a duffel bag into high school? Like, <laughs> Isn't that like a gun risk or something? Somebody might think that, like, I oh, think, he has a high-powered rifle I in think there. in this particular person's case, while that was always a concern, there was also an acknowledgement that the duffel bag is full of books, and if you try to take it away, he will make a high-pitched squeaking noise. Yes, it is better to deal with the duffel bag than... Right, it's probably better just to roll the dice in the duffel bag not containing an AK-47 than to listen to him whine, and I believe his mom was on the school board. We're not going to name these people, but we three all know who we're talking about. An example of somebody who perhaps took their passion a little too far trying to read up on their D&D campaigns in, in, you know, calculus class. But again... And biology... And English. Yes, although he did provide a great excuse on why he didn't show up to biology for 45 minutes that one time, that (laughs) he was caught in a causality loop, which is (laughs) something that happens in Star Trek. (laughs) Quite a bit. It comes out quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, The other person I really love in this movie is um, Sam Rockwell, the Guy Fleegman, the extra. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's just insecure that he's going to die like he did on the show before mm-hmm. the, the first commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he, like, he, like, shows up to all the convention spots or whatever, and it's like, yeah, I was, you know, on this, you know, Galaxy Quest show, too. Remember me? Act number seven, episode 32. Yeah, I had the red shirt on. <laughs> I, yeah, but Sam Rockwell's so perfect, though. It's just like, hey, yeah, yeah, great, great. And uh, I don't actually know the actor's name, but uh, Tommy, the black guy who was like a little kid, is like, oh, hey, thanks for the introduction, man. That was really nice. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, great, great. Hey, do you mind if I sit in and sign a few autographs? And he's got like his own like crewman number five headshots ready to go. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, can I just get behind the table with you guys and start signing some of these? Like. All right. <laughs> or when they're telling him in the back of the warehouse, like, oh, we're going to, you know, beam the five of you up to the ship. He's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Make make that six. Like, Yeah, yeah and all the, the aliens are just like, who are you? So yeah. who, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, despite them, like, you know, combing over every, you know, minute detail of every episode to, like, reconstruct the ship and whatnot, it's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Which is great, though. Because yeah. I, th- I think that was probably deliberate. Yeah. 
I, I guess my big regret in this movie is that there's apparently an R cut out there. Oh, really? Lost. Okay, and you can see this actually is still in the film. Remember the part in the end where they're trying to Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver are trying to get to the the Omega Thirteen, the little crusher part. Yeah, and they have to go through the smashy thing. And Justin Long's like, "Well, you got to go through the chompers." And Tim Allen's like, "What?" And she goes, "Well, screw that." But you can see her mouth says, "Fuck that." Oh, you know what? I was wondering about that when I actually I had to rewind a couple times because I'm like, I like saw that I'm like. I was like, okay, her her lips do not look like she's saying screw that. Yeah. And I was like, did I get like a weird like, you know, TV cut or something like that or I don't know. No, no, that yeah, that's that's where you can find it cuz I guess that was the only copy of that scene they had or something or that that take they wanted. So they had ever come in and loop it over because mm-hmm. they wanted to put it down to PG-13, I believe, because you know you that's You fuck that in PG-13. I guess they didn't want to make I, the the R cut. I think was probably more extensive than that. Okay, so that was that's the only thing that's still there, I believe, as as far as I know. But that would have been awesome. I, I allegedly it exists somewhere. I'm sure somebody still has a copy. Mm. But yeah, you can. There's just a little bit left in there. Yeah, I I honestly was really confused by that when I saw it. Yeah, I honestly, I stopped the movie. It like completely took me out because it's so obvious, like a voiceover. If you're like actually paying any bit of detail, like any bit of attention to the movie. Yeah. yeah, still like good movie, and that was a good scene. Just took me right out of the movie, man. Took me right. Out- <laughs> <laughs> took me right out of the game. <laughs> I also like uh, Tony Shalhoub. I like everybody, oh, yeah, but yeah. like he's like high all the time. <laughs> That's another thing that is apparent. Which supposedly, in, uh, Tony Shalhoub, the the basically the other guy, the engineer, the guy who runs the transporter. Oh yeah, he's always like uh, these guys. They yeah. like fix the stuff down here. Good job, guys. <laughs> hey, Captain. Yeah, they're telling me that the engines aren't going to take this anymore. Just just FYI, guys. We we should probably stop. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that is apparently in, in the R, the mythical R cut of this movie is him actually getting high. Like everybody, because he's in the dressing room behind the, or he's not, the black guy's reading the newspaper and he's kind of hanging out. And I think that's where he's smoking a joint, mm-hmm. but that's not in the, you know, the theater cut. Mm-hmm. But that explains why he's eating all the time because he goes to the snack machine when they're in the back of the warehouse and is trying to like. Hmm. Oh yeah, and he like gets teleported late and whatnot. Yeah, he's like, you guys have like twenty five cents. Like, I want to get someone like this hot burrito lunch or whatever that's in this machine. Yeah, yeah. When did this movie come out again? Nineteen ninety nine. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It has really good staying power. Like it, it holds up pretty well. Plus, I think it tells a good story, and if you're familiar with Star Trek... Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's yeah, funny. it's always funny. Especially if you're a Star Trek fan, it's funny. It is, it's Captain Picard approved. Patrick Stewart liked it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Commander Riker liked it, too. While he had a glass of Strongbow. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, Patrick Stewart does those Strongbow hard apple cider commercials or whatever. Oh, I'm not familiar with making those. fun of him on the commercials. Like, you know, like, oh, we, we try to get a good actor to do this, but, uh, you know, we had to settle for this guy. He's like, oh, have you know I won, like, a bunch of awards, and they're like, you know, Strongbow, just go. <laughs> <laughs> Actually pretty funny, but he's a good sport. He is. 
Yeah. It's Captain Kirk proof too. William Shatner said he couldn't figure out what they were trying to say when Tim Allen's shirt kept coming off, though he didn't know who they were parodying. <laughs> I think he was I think that was like he was very self aware trolling everybody. <laughs> he's he's not stupid. <laughs> I do like Sigourney Weaver's character too in this. How she actually gets she's like so excited that she actually gets to accomplish something instead of being like the the sex candy on like Kirk's arm all the time. <laughs> well, she was in there, I think, because of uh, Seven of Nine from Voyager. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like her and uh, the one from Enterprise, T'Pol. Yeah, yeah. But Ener- Enterprise like, was... wear the skin tight suits. Get the get the ratings up. Enterprise was later, and I remember reading something about because she has that line in there saying like, "Oh, I had a variety interview or something," and it was you know three paragraphs that they asked me how my boobs fit in the suit. And apparently that really was a variety of entertainment weekly interview they did with Jerry Ryan, the woman who played Seven of Nine on Voyager. That was like the entire line of questioning. Like, hey, you got a skin-tight outfit on that show. How do your tits fit in there? They're pretty big. You want to talk about that? <laughs> the people who wrote this movie did their research. They did their homework. Yeah, it, it honestly felt like, you know, Futurama-ish, where they do a lot of their research for, you know, Star Trek and other things that they have on Futurama, but it was in the context of this movie. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Futurama started the same year that this came out, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Must have been just something in the water about the time was right to start doing parody and Star parody Trek stuff, or whatever, yeah. or critiquing it from a comedic viewpoint. Or <laughs> I think that they probably heard J.J. Abrams plan to reboot Star Trek ten years later, so they had to save us. Yeah, yeah, they had to get it ready. They built well, a time they machine. They tried. They did. Back to 1999, save the world from J.J. Abrams, ruining Star Trek forever. Doc Brown comes in and says, like, oh, J.J.'s making terrible movies. We got we to gotta stop him. I, I think that would be interesting if there were. I, I, these kind of parody movies don't seem to be made anymore. If they do, they're, like, really explicit, like, you know... Scary, scary movie. Scary yeah. movie, or, <laughs> We were you know, thinking the same thing. <laughs> what's, what's that one about... I can't remember Meet the Spartans or something. That's like just a random mishmash of like, no, all those like the, the those the, similar movies, uh, scary movie, not another teen movie, yes, Meet the Spartans, disaster movie. I think there was a vampire one too, but they were all made by like the same shithole company that just like pounds out that shit and like her 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 oh, like what is that one i remember that one like uh like i'm so sick of vampires or something something or like, like that but not the, more vampires or... but i mean they're all terrible movies they have like you know like probably like an average of like 12 percent on rotten tomatoes or something like that some of them yeah. are pretty funny though they they get it right like this one gets it right yeah no, I'm saying there's one particular company that makes, you know, scary movies. But I'm saying that this stuff, but... Galaxy Quest is a good example of a parody, whereas, like, these new movies have kind of, like, that... My my reason that I don't really like Family Guy, because it's just, like... Hey, do, remember do you remember this? Yeah, it's all cutaways. Like it's, it's just cutaways. Like, it's Iron Man, and now he's fighting the Hulk. Did you see the Avengers? It's, like, written by a computer program. Yeah. So I don't know if there's an appetite to make these anymore, but I think like J.J. Abrams films are so over the top that they're they're almost like begging for somebody to parody them. Hey, you can't say, but nobody has yet. But no, well, yeah, the but, new well, world they just be shut bad that yet. down. You can't, say, you can't they, do a fan fiction can't, parody. You can't do it yourself. Yeah. So CBS <laughs> Paramount would have to. You have to work closely with them to get the blessing and whatnot. Of... Right. So, Other, you, yeah. so you can't be too critical then. 
But I mean, there's there's probably a lot of stuff that you can have fun with in the same way that Galaxy Quest kind of like has a, a you know very affectionate tone. You yeah, can still kind of have fun with it. Affectionate tone, but I I don't think you know if ten years from now or twenty years they're going to make another Star Trek parody parodying like Star Trek Into Darkness. I don't think there's going to be an affectionate tone looking back on that. And that's no. what CBS would probably object to. Yeah, I I guess that I, I it's just there's. Their Galaxy Quest successfully parodies what were like pretty tame movies when it came down to it because it's parodying the the original cast movies, not the next generation. Well, the original series, I think, right? More than anything. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, which is really tame content wise compared to like a lot of stuff that's on TV today, but in its day it was controversial. So go figure. Yeah. They had a black lady on the ship. Whoa. They had a black lady kiss a white guy. Yep. For the first time on TV, but so, Abraham Lincoln explained it all, saying, "Oh, we have different viewpoints." Right? She's just a negress, and she wasn't offended. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? You're a black. Oh, it's the future. Oh, my bad. He we did, didn't. We didn't do that in the 1860s. See, but he didn't figure out it was the future when he was floating in his chair in space. <laughs> he probably thought he was like dead or something. What? Well, he was really high. I just did want to defend some Family Guy stuff really quick because I agree with you. That show should have been canceled a long, long time ago. It was ago. canceled. It was? It's yeah. gone? No, no. It no, was it, it was canceled. It got canceled. Yeah, I know. I know. Back. It was canceled like in 1999 and then after one season. And then they brought it back in 2005. I, I'm aware. Yeah. And, and I, I will admit freely that that is probably one of the funnier things I have seen is the first episode where they came back where Peter just lists all of the shows that have failed on Fox before they came back. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or like one of the cutaways where he makes like the breakfast machine and it turns out like goes through this like mousetrap maze and it turns out to be a gun that shoots him in the shoulder. <laughs> like, I couldn't stop laughing at that. It was so stupid. It was funny. Or like the... Uh, but those are a few and far between. Like you yeah. can watch, you know, right. twenty or, episodes and you get one of those. Or the thing where he like gets a parrot and starts driving, or like goes limo jousting or whatever. Or um, the 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 roadhouse thing before it became a meme. Like that was funny in the episode, but not. But again, after. like the things that are <laughs> actually okay in Family Guy are when they break away from the cutaway thing that they are very much tied into doing it's like when they actually are that show doesn't have any story behind besides cutaways there's no story that's that's what irks me really yeah but that's what we were saying the problem with those like a blank movie movies is or yeah that there really is no story to them it's like oh we're gonna go to like a scary haunted mansion for like you know some vague reason and there's gonna be all these you know Scooby-Doo, Scream, Jason-type, you know, things that are happening here. But I, the same as Family Guy, though. They do, like, have a couple good points yeah. in the periods occasionally. Like, the one, the the ghost movie, the haunted house one with one of the, the Wayans brothers, I think. I don't know. That's a scary movie, I think. Yeah. Or, or it's called A Haunted House. Yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But where it's like, oh, the house is haunted. He's like, all right, fuck that. I'm leaving. Like, what, what a rational person would do in any of those paranormal activity movies. Like, oh, okay, well... Doesn't he say it's because, like, you know, like, I'm a black guy and I know what happens to black guys in, in horror movies? <laughs> or, or Charlie Sheen, like, talking about signs, like, the classic joke, like, if they, you know, they, the planet's, like, made of 75% water, why, why do they come here? 
I mean, every, even Stargate made fun of that. Like that, you know. So there's there's a possibility to have like hits, but I think that what makes Galaxy Quest a really good parody is that like every Star Trek thing it sets up, it follows through on through on like it hits all the different things it brings up. It's like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. It's never like you know, you're never lost thinking like mm, that was stupid, or I don't see what they're going for, or like you know. Alan Rickman with his uh, Graptar's hammer, I will avenge you, or the Mokhtar chant of strength or something, or yeah. the, <laughs> the the, the stealth haze, like his little protege there. Like, all that shit is just dumb fucking crap they had Vulcans do on Star Trek. Well, like, it's a, yeah, his character sounds like he's he's the Vulcan character, but then he's got kind of like the some weird Klingon traditions molded into his character, too. But there's always like a secret technique, like oh, yeah. like the Vulcan pinch, yeah, or Spock's super strength. I don't know why people call that the Vulcan death grip. He's never killed anybody with it. I never I thought it was the Vulcan before. pinch or something like that. Yeah, the yeah. pinch or the, the the nerve grip, or it's not the death grip. I don't know why people say that. I never heard people say that. It's people who don't know a lot about Star Trek, but okay, okay. I don't know much about Star Trek. I call it the pinch. <laughs> I guess more I than think more the pinch people is though. Fine, yeah. Okay. Data does the pinch in one episode, and Spock compliments him on his form. Yeah, that's details, though. I think yeah. that's what makes the good parody is the detail. I mean, even even down to like them setting up their Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner fight about like you stole all my scenes, or you know. You wrote me out of this episode. You're always trying to fuck all the extras, and they they convince the soldier that's guarding them that they're really genuinely having a fight. And it's like, yeah, but you know, then you think of like the story, like Leonard Nimoy had his picture taken for Life magazine, having the ears put on, because everybody's like, oh, Spock, 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 and then William Shatner like bursts into the dressing room and demands that he has his picture taken for the Life magazine article too, even though it was about Leonard Nimoy. He he needs to be included, and he was gonna not work on set until the life photographer took his photo. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's a reason why George Kai still probably hates him a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... That was the other accusation against him, I think, that they... Well, they covered that in Galaxy Quest when Rickman's character is arguing with him. It's like William Shatner was accused of like keeping all of the like supporting cast members down. Mm-hmm. Like that they were pushing for bigger opportunities in episodes and that he shut down a lot of that, especially for George Takai and uh, uh, Walter Koenig, I think. Yeah, ironic in that Walter Koenig is one of the two other people they dug up out of their graves to appear in Generations. Only because Leonard Nimoy said he was never going to do it again. Because it was supposed to be Spock and McCoy, but McCoy... Did he die? When did he die? He died before that, I think, because he was actually genuinely really old when they had him on Next Generation. Yeah, but like the Undiscovered Country is like in 1991, so I'm just, but I think he might have been dead before they had made Generations. Yeah. But even if he's alive, he wouldn't have done it, I bet. I I read a couple of the biographies and like, George Takei has like a story about how DeForest Kelly, Dr. McCoy is upset because one of his dogs like ran into the sprinkler head and broke its neck like a little dog. 
and he was inconsolable, and William Shatner thought it was fucking hilarious when he heard about it. Like, your dog ran into the sprinkler head and broke his neck. Like, that's really funny. Like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, what a dick. That's really funny. I guess Tim Allen does follow William Shatner's uh, public course a little bit, because he does seem to learn his lesson, but... Well, what's funny is, like, Tim Allen in real life kind of has a reputation, too. So, like, I, was, I don't yeah. think you need to play this role very hard. I was going to say, like, but it's 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 really a question of, is that William Shatner's story or is this Tim Allen's story? Because, you know, he was probably very easy to channel that character for him. Tim Allen was arrested for cocaine possession in Justice. Oh, yeah, I knew that prison. much. And then he was on home improvement. His mugshot. Oh, after hilarious. that, he was on home improvement. I believe that he got arrested for cocaine possession before he became a hit. It was like in the like early '80s or something. I yeah, think. so that's before home improvement. Yeah, so he's probably over there with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like showing him how to, you know, like we get all these levels and shit on the fucking tool set. Here's how you break up the rocks. You don't want a bloody nose, kid. Here's how you do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There's some stuff going on outside the window. I was just making sure that CBS Paramount hadn't sent a commando team to kill us. They haven't? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Just some kids walking in the street. Uh, they should watch out for Jeep Cherokees, though. Definitely. Yeah, just roll right down the hill. Get them. So did you enjoy Galaxy Quest, Justin? Yeah. Was it a, a movie that you, you think that uh, if you watched more Star Trek, you would watch again? I mean, I'd probably watch it again given a few months or a year or something like that. I mean, it's it was enjoyable. Like, there was... Compared to a lot of the other movies that, you know, we've watched, it was, you know, a brief moment of enjoyment. It's a brief moment of enjoyment, yeah. Well, I really hate to bring this up, but... I, I, I almost don't want... Hey, you know what? Fourth <laughs> of July is coming up. We should... Uh, is that what you're going to say? No. Oh, you're going to say something worse. It, Independence Day 2 isn't out. Yeah, is it? I thought it was out. June 20th, yesterday. Oh, okay. As of yesterday. Well, we can either go see that and then review Independence Day and Independence Day 2 together or go with the original plan from last episode, which Justin brought up. So this is all you, Pluto Nash. I'd almost rather see Independence Day 2 despite what I've been hearing about it. I mean, did you really... This is Roland Emmerich again. It's as big and retarded as and fun as the first one. <laughs> I like heard it was a little movie. more retarded, but yeah. <laughs> what's, what's not to like, though? Will Smith died, so that's hilarious. Yeah, because he's busy pinning Deadshot or whatever. He's been replaced by a Chinese woman to get that delicious Chinese co-financing. Jeff Goldblum, still, you know, a crazy guy. Maybe his dad's in the movie. I can't remember. I don't know. I really haven't seen too much about it other than like a couple previews that have been on like TV and whatnot. Did you know that yeah. in the Jurassic Park CD game that if you... Oh, if, I saw this. Yeah, did you see that? I didn't know that, but it's so hilarious that if, if you complete like on the highest difficulty and get all the secret... Collectibles and whatnot, yeah, the yeah. collectibles that you get a video at the end of Jeff Goldblum saying like, you know, congratulations, you did it, you made it, and so he's like, now, now you should go outside and you know, get, some, get laid or you know, no, he's like, yeah, you should go outside, you know, go run around, you know, call a girl, you know, do that some stuff, kind of like yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> Just 
turn just, off the game. Yeah, <laughs> turn it off. Go outside. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. So what you're saying is that we should find the tie-in game for the new Independence Day movie and play that. Uh, step one, uh, plug it in. Step two, turn. There's no step three. <laughs> Remember yeah. when he used to be the Apple spokesperson? Oh yes, yeah. Like yeah the late yeah. '90s for the iMac and stuff. He, yeah, yeah, that was a while ago, right? Jeff Goldblum, for those who didn't know, used to be the Apple product spokesperson on their commercials. And then Justin Long was the person after that. So it's, yeah, that's, the I'm a Mac dude. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway, Justin, pick your poison. Is it going to be Pluto Nash with Donald Trump's moon casino and Hillary Clinton dollars, or is it going to be Independence Day 2 with Jaden Smith? So we're not we're doing Pluto Nash then? I guess. Okay. Uh, alternative if you wanted to, yeah. or if you wanted to make it a double. Yep. Saw a very good sci-fi movie last night, Midnight Special. Have you, has it, either of you seen that? I'd suggest watching it. I really liked it. It was good. It's about... Uh, well, actually, I won't even spoil anything for you guys. You guys should just watch it. But General Zod is in it. Which General Zod? The new one. Okay. Uh, I don't know what his name is. General Zod. <laughs> General Zod. I, I know him. He's the guy from uh, Boardwalk Empire. But Yeah, he's in it. And a couple other people that are... I don't know their names, but I recognize their faces. But it was a good movie. Enjoyed it a lot. So uh, going in blind, pretty small, much. Small budget movie. At least for Clark and I, going in blind. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Kylo Ren is in it. No. He's in a, he's in a, small, he's in a small supporting role, but that's the only guy whose face I really knew. And Does could, he get burned to death or something? Uh, he, hey, I no mean, spoilers. He gets his mind controlled, I think. All right, well, but. whatever. Sorry, Justin, but when you go to your, your room to pout and ask your melted grandpa's helmet how to be evil, I'm done with you. <laughs> But he really wants to be evil, guys. Help me, Grandpa. How do I be more evil? That's the latest theory that Snoke is actually a clone of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> a, de- a deformed clone. And he's he's wreaking his horrible revenge. So now they're adopting like the Clone Saga storyline from the Spider-Man comics oh of the 90s. God. And applying it to Star Wars, if true. Oh, I'm done. So what if the Emperor, on his way down to the reactor shaft and to, to his death, used the Force to influence the Medichlorians to create an Anakin clone? I probably just wrote the movie. We'll put a pin in that. Hey, the guy who played the Emperor is still alive. They can get him for some pickup shots. Uh, yes, he could. Well, that's the latest rumor that Snoke is actually a deformed Anakin clone. Yeah, I, re- I read all of the, the rumors that the directors now saying the reshoots, that's not what you guys are thinking. It was pretty standard to have a month of reshoots on your movie. We're not having an opening it's, crawl It's standard either. to have some reshoots scheduled, just not 50% of the movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, whatever. So Pluto Nash then. Or that thing Grant was saying? I'm not letting you off the hook. Okay, fine. It's, it's either both of them or Pluto Nash. Fine. This was your idea, Justin. Fucking. It's, it's the time of your reckoning. It's gone. Take some acid and freaking <laughs> burn my eyes out. <laughs> yes, acid will burn your eyes Why out. Why don't you just lie back and let Pluto Nash, you know, just take you? <laughs> it's got Pluto Nash and or Eddie Murphy and Randy Quaid in it. Winning combo. Jay Moore. 
notable stand-up comic slash TV host. Maybe violently ill next week. All right. So let's do them both. What do you mean both? Both. Oh, the one you were talking about, Grant? So if you watch Pluto Nash first and then you watch the one I suggested, you should be mentally okay. It'll get a taste out of my mouth. Yeah. Yep. It'll remove it and make you feel better probably. So Pluto Nash and Midnight Express? Midnight Special. Midnight Special. Okay. Text me that. I'll forget. I I already forgot. Yeah. So I wanted to say Midnight Express, but that's that's a drug movie, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Or it's the one about the... No, that's the Polar Express. On that note, talk to you. On that bombshell. (laughs) 